Hi, testing, testing, one, two, three. Hi, everyone. My name is Aiden. I'm the host of the Long May She Rain podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be recording my first episode. I've never done a podcast before, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I thought I might as well uh, try and do one myself while I'm in quarantine. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth of York. She is very famous for being uh, a queen of England um, and the first Mrs. Tudor. You've probably heard of the Tudor dynasty before, but if you haven't, I'm going to teach you about it. Um, Elizabeth of York is often written off in history as the very uh, docile wife, kind of do-what-her-husband-says sort of lady, but uh, while she was very kind and sweet, I think she was very cool, and I'm very excited to talk about her, so let's start with her birth. So Elizabeth was born on February 11th, 1466, and the fact that we know her birthday is very, very amazing. Um, as you're probably going to find a common thread through history, they didn't really write down girls' birthdays, so the fact that we know that Elizabeth was born on February 11th is amazing, and her being born on February 11th actually makes her an Aquarius, which I found interesting, so I googled Aquarius traits, and it says that Aquariuses are very shy and quiet, which I think fits with Elizabeth's personality. And I'm a Libra, so I looked at our compatibility, and um, it looks like if we knew her, if I knew her, uh, we'd be friends, which is really cool. So um, I want to talk about the political situation that she was born in, because boy, was it a doozy. So England at the time was in the middle of the Wars of the Roses, which is a huge war, and I probably don't have time to go over it in this podcast, but I'm just going to give you a bit of a sweeping overview about it. So there were two royal houses, the Lancastrians and the Yorks, and Elizabeth's father, Edward IV, was on the York side of this, and he, a couple years before she was born, had taken the country in battle and won the crown for the Yorks with the help of uh, his cousin, the Kingmaker is what they nicknamed him, but he was uh, Richard Earl of Warwick. And um, when you're a new king, you need political matches, so the Kingmaker tried to set Edward up so he could have heirs because um, the cousin that Edward took the crown from was Henry VI, and he was on the Lancastrian side, and they wanted to make sure Edward had heirs and that he was a stable king. But the problem was that Edward had gotten secretly married to Elizabeth's mom, whose name was also Elizabeth. Um, We're going to call her Queen Liza, or Lizzie Woodville, so that we don't get confused between the two Elizabeths. So uh, Lizzie Woodville was technically a commoner, commoner, I'm going to use in big air quotes, because uh, Lizzie Woodville's mom was from the royal family of Luxembourg. Her name was Jaquetta of Luxembourg. She had been a duchess at one point, and she was also the daughter of a duke in her own right, but Lizzie Woodville's dad was a knight. He was nobody, so that technically made her a commoner. And when uh, Lizzie Woodville and Edward IV got married. It was a huge scandal, and when Elizabeth of York was born in 1466, it was kind of a giant middle finger 
to Richard, Earl of Warwick, um, but ironically, he was he was named her godfather, which I think is kind of hilarious. Okay, so let's talk about Elizabeth's education. Her education was pretty common for the time. Medieval princesses back then were going to be taught uh, basic household things. Their whole point was to be good wives and mothers. So Elizabeth learned her religious studies, which was obviously very important. Um, she learned embroidery, music, dancing, and singing, which she was reportedly very good at. Um, she might have been taught alchemy, which is something I found in my research. I'm not quite sure about this, because alchemy was, like, right next door to witchcraft at the time, and it was even, it was really scandalous to be learning that, so I'm I'm not quite sure if it's true, but I, I find that funny that that came up a few times in my research. Um... Let's talk about her looks, because I, f I feel like when you talk about historical figures, you never really think about what they look like. Elizabeth was regarded as one of the prettiest princesses in Europe. She had, um, kind of like strawberry blonde, I think is how you'd probably describe her hair. Um, and she had blue eyes like her parents, so she looked a lot like her parents, and she was considered very pretty. Uh, and that was a good thing because she was going to get married very early and she was actually betrothed for the first time at age three or four to her cousin George Neville. And George Neville was the kingmaker's nephew and Edward did this to kind of appease his cousin because um, a couple years earlier after... About a year after Elizabeth's parents got married, uh, the kingmaker decided he didn't want Edward on the throne anymore. So um, the kingmaker kind of called up, <laughs> called up, there were no phones back then, called up um, Edward's little brother George. And George was very, very... Um, oh, what's the word? Like, selfish? He had a lot of vanity, and he wanted to king for the power, so uh, the kingmaker started this whole rebellion. It was foiled, and as a way to appease the kingmaker, uh, Elizabeth was betrothed to George Neville, uh, but that did not last very long, because uh, in 1470, the kingmaker started up shit again. He started up shit. He um, went to the former king, Henry VI's wife, Margaret of Anjou. Now, I, I mentioned uh, Henry a little while back. Henry, he wasn't very good at being king. He had some mental issues, and no one really wanted him, but the kingmaker was kind of very sick of Edward not listening to him, so he uh, gathered up all his forces in coalition with uh, Margaret's, and they uh, took the throne back. So Elizabeth, along with her very, very pregnant mother, her mother was like eight or nine months pregnant at the time, and Elizabeth's uh, three younger sisters in this time, she her mother had, had three other babies, um, they went into sanctuary, and sanctuary is when you kind of, like, claim protection at a church, like, no one can touch you in a church, and it's, like, a very, like, serious thing that you don't want to mess with, so, uh, Queen Lizzie Woodville knew she'd be safe there. Um, they were there 
in that abbey in the basement for months while um, Henry VI sat on the throne. Uh, but eventually, thank God, Edward uh, came back. He won his throne back. And also, great news, uh, Lizzie's mom gave birth to Lizzie's little brother, also named Edward, because they only had five names back then. Um, and everything was super calm after this. Um, I don't think the the country was even at war for almost a decade and a half um, until disaster struck in 1483 when Elizabeth's father died very suddenly. He was very young. He was only, I think he was about 42 when he died. A lot of people were very, very suspect about it because they thought he had been poisoned. But, you know, there's always rumors about that when kings die. Um, I don't think it was poison personally. Um, Edward hadn't been taking very good care of himself for the last couple of years in, in his life. He'd been growing very fat. He'd been drinking. He hadn't been exercising at all. So... Um, a lot of people think it was probably typhoid that killed him, which is kind of like a cold, and that's probably what he died of. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a huge scandal when, uh, he died. So Elizabeth's little brother, Edward, had been in Wales for the last couple of years with her uncle, Anthony, who was her mom's brother. And, uh, little Edward was only, uh, 12 and uh, right before Big King Edward died, uh, he named his other brother, uh, named Richard Duke of Gloucester, and we're going to call him uh, Gloucester for now because there's a lot of Richards in this story. Um, he named him Lord Protector, and Lord Protector is kind of like someone who like makes the decisions for a king who's too young to rule, so... Uh, Gloucester kind of wanted control, and he wanted to, like, whoever has control of the king controls the country, and, um, Queen Lizzie's, uh, brother was supposed to bring Edward back from Wales to London so that he could be crowned, so, uh, Gloucester met them on the way, and basically took the young king, away from Anthony, and Anthony was also accompanied by um, Lizzie's half-brother, Sir Richard Grey, see another Richard, and they were both detained, and eventually they were executed um, for kidnapping the king, basically, but that hadn't happened yet. So um, Elizabeth's mom got very, very worried at this time, and uh, they went into Sanctuary Part 2. Elizabeth's mom packed up her, all her sisters, and she had a, quite a few more sisters by this point. Um, and their, and Elizabeth's remaining brother, who was also named Richard, and they went into sanctuary again. Um, when Gloucester eventually came back, and he had Elizabeth's little brother, he asked Lizzie's mom if um, Elizabeth's other little brother, Richard, could come and join his brother in the Tower of London, because that's where uh, Gloucester had her little brothers. 
And I think if if Lizzie's mom knew what was going to happen to her sons, I don't think she would have ever let her son Richard go with Gloucester. But he, she did. So at this time when, when Richard went to go join his little brother in the tower... Gloucester had been postponing his ne- his nephew's coronation, like, a lot. Like, he'd been making up a whole bunch of ridiculous excuses as to why Edward couldn't have his coronation. Like, oh, it's raining today, so we're going to push the coronation back a month. Um, and he was just stalling and stalling until eventually, uh, out of nowhere, Gloucester decided to get Elizabeth's parents' marriage annulled. So, Gloucester claimed that Elizabeth's father, Edward, had already been married when he was when he married Elizabeth's mother, which meant their marriage was completely invalid, and Elizabeth and all her siblings were bastards, which was huge, which means... That neither of Elizabeth's brothers could have the throne, and neither could she. And conveniently, it left Gloucester open to have the throne for himself. Which is exactly what he did. Um, he crowned himself Richard III. Maybe you've heard of him. And from then on, Elizabeth brother, Elizabeth's brothers were seen less and less and less. Until finally... That summer, both boys disappeared. Now, these boys are famously known as the princes in the tower. Um, there's a lot of theories about what might have happened to them. No one's quite sure. A, a lot of people say Richard killed them, which I, I subscribe to that theory because, to be honest, he had the most to gain from it. There are a lot of other suspects, but... I, I, I definitely think it was probably Richard. I mean, like I said, he had the most gain from it. So, uh, during this time, Elizabeth's mother was uh, still in sanctuary, but because of this, like, Richard III having his sister-in-law hide from him in sanctuary was, like, a really bad PR move for him. So, he swore to Lizzie's mom that he wouldn't harm her daughters. He actually, like, signed an oath about it, like, to make it real public so that uh, they'd come out of sanctuary. It was also during this time that Elizabeth's mother made an alliance with a lady named Margaret Beaufort. Now, Margaret Beaufort uh, also had a claim to the throne. She was a part of the Lancastrian side. Uh, They were the same people who were with Henry VI, who I talked about earlier. And uh, she had kind of passed on her claim to her son, Henry Tudor. And um, Lizzie Woodville and Margaret Beaufort had the same doctor, so when uh, Lizzie Woodville was in sanctuary with her daughters, they passed notes between their doctors so that they could kind of scheme. And uh, Margaret's son wanted the crown, and... Uh, Lizzie Woodville kind of made this deal with Margaret uh, that said, all right, Henry can come and have the crown, but he has to marry my daughter when he comes and does it. So Elizabeth's life kind of went back to normal when her and her family came back to court. 
Uh, no one's quite sure if Elizabeth's mother truly didn't believe that Richard had anything to do with her son's disappearance, or whether or not it was just kind of like a stalling point until Margaret Beaufort and Henry Tudor came. Now, during Elizabeth's time at Richard's courts, there were some rumors, some very scandalous rumors, that Elizabeth was in love with her uncle, which is incest. Um... There were rumors that Elizabeth was waiting for her aunt, Queen Anne Neville, who was uh, Richard III's wife, to die so that she could be queen. Now, at this time, Richard had lost his son, like, very recently to his sickness, and Anne was dying very fast. So there were allegedly a very incriminating letter called the uh, Croydon Letter, I think it's what it's called, uh, allegedly in it, Elizabeth begged the Duke of Norfolk to help her marry her only joy and maker in the world, aka her uncle Richard. Uh, but also, very conveniently, this letter doesn't exist, like it doesn't survive, so it's kind of all hearsay. Um, I personally uh, don't think Elizabeth was in love with her uncle, and I really hope that she wasn't, because that's really gross and awkward, and that's a lot of incest. Um... Richard denied these rumors heavily, and we're not sure if he denied them because of PR or if he, like, really didn't actually want to marry his niece. Uh, So to kind of quell these rumors, he started marriage negotiations for her to marry uh, the future king of Portugal and for him to get married because he needed a son since his son had died. Now, we're going to get to the most exciting part of her life, I'd say it's the thing that changed her life, Henry Tudor. So, Henry Tudor arrived on English soil in 1485, in the summer of 1485, I think it was about August at the time. Um, I'm gonna give a big sweeping overview of the Battle of Bosworth, because uh, Elizabeth didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, but it did affect her life seriously, so, uh, Henry and Richard came head-to-head, and it's safe to say that, uh, Henry kicked Richard's little armored ass in battle, and Henry was crowned on the field as Henry VII by right of conquest. Um, when Henry did win, he was so slow to commit to Elizabeth. In fact, he had his coronation, uh, about... I think it was in October, to prove that he was king all by himself. Like, he was very adamant when he landed on English soil that he was king by right of conquest. He won, he won the crown himself, and Elizabeth had nothing to do with it. And that's what we call small dick energy, ladies and gentlemen. But one thing he did do that was, you know, kind of nice of him was he did repeal the order that made Elizabeth a bastard and uh, reinstated all her and all her sisters. So let's talk about Henry like it's The Bachelor. (laughs) So let's talk about what he looked like, you know, his personality, his life up until this point. Um, Henry was uh, born in 1457. He was just a couple years older than Elizabeth. And his uh, father, Edmund Tudor, um, had died before he was born. And his mother had had him at 13, like legit 
she was a 13 year old when she had him. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that if I ever do an episode about Margaret Beaufort, which I'd love to because she is like a really badass bitch and I love her. Um, and his mother Margaret, like I said, was the only reason he even had a claim to the throne. And he really, really needed Elizabeth uh, to um, have a better claim. So Henry was tall with dark hair and small blue eyes. He was considered attractive at the time, but I mean, I've seen his portrait and it's just, it's, it ain't it, sis. I mean, I don't think he's very attractive. I also read somewhere that he didn't have very nice teeth, so I can't imagine that would have been a very nice thing for Elizabeth to kiss. Um, eventually, Elizabeth and Henry did get married. Henry, uh, and her got married on January 18th, 1486, so about four months after Henry won. So, no descriptions of the wedding actually survive, which I thought was pretty interesting considering how momentous it was. A lot of people consider their marriage... The uh, end of the War of the Roses and the uh, kind of combining of the House's York and the House's Lancaster. But uh, one thing the couple did have to get was a papal dispensation because they were technically cousins, though they were very distant cousins. So a papal dispensation was kind of like an okay from the Pope, being like, it's, it's, it's okay, you can marry your cousin. <laughs> and he gave them out all the time, so it wasn't really a big deal. So I did find some ideas of what a lot of people suspected their wedding might have been like since uh, no one, we don't have any writings about it. So picture it, <laughs> January 18th, 1486. The Abbey probably would have been decked out in the exclusive colors and fabrics of royalty, purple and gold, silk and emeryn and delicate cloths of tissue. Elizabeth probably would have been splendidly dressed, adorned with jewels and lace and ribbons. Um, she wouldn't have been wearing white. Wedding dresses were not white at the time. Not a lot of women wore white wedding dresses. It just wasn't a thing. She probably wore a rich purple or blue or even a tawny gown, uh, because actually those colors appeared in her wardrobe records for that year. So, Elizabeth and Henry's marriage. So, even though it was a political arrangement, Elizabeth and Henry got along, like, super well. Like, it was, like, slow at first, but they ended up, like, being really affectionate with each other, and I think that's really sweet that they were able to do that. Um, actually, when Elizabeth eventually died, we're gonna talk about her death later, it's very, very sad, um, Henry was looking to get remarried, and when his ambassadors asked what kind of a wife he wanted. He described Elizabeth down to the T, which makes me very sad. So, Elizabeth as a mother. Elizabeth and Henry had eight children altogether. Only four of them lived to be adults. Their first baby, who they named Arthur, was born nine months after their marriage, so he was probably conceived on their wedding night. Then they had... Sorry. <coughs> cough. <laughs> uh, then they had Margaret in 1489, and then Henry in 1491. Maybe you've heard of him. He had six wives, was maybe a Henry VIII. Hmm? And then lastly, they had their daughter Mary in 1496. Now, like I said, they probably had four other children. 
there were um, these two different sons uh, named Edward and Edm- Edmund. But a lot of people think Edward and Edmund got mixed up and they might have only had seven children. But uh, Elizabeth had a lot of stillbirths, which was unfortunate. Now let's get into her reign as queen. So Elizabeth, I think the reason, like I said in the beginning, that she's kind of uh, written off is because she didn't participate in politics. She was not a very uh, politically savvy sort of queen. But it's probably mostly because her mother-in-law, Margaret Beaufort, uh, was very politically savvy, and she considered herself kind of higher than Elizabeth. Actually, Margaret invented a new title while she was at court called My Lady the King's Mother. Um, And she... She just kind of dominated Elizabeth, and I don't really think Elizabeth really wanted any power, considering all that had happened in her life up until this point, because of politics. But that doesn't mean she was a bad queen. Actually, she was very, very charitable. The English people loved her. She was kind and beautiful and a great mom. She was really close with her younger children, not so much her oldest, Arthur. Arthur spent a lot of time away in um different households learning back then it was very common to send your children away for their education arthur was no different i don't really think that uh, elizabeth loved her son any less because of this but she wasn't nearly as close um with arthur as she was with her two daughters and her son actually when her daughter margaret went off to marry the king of scotland there was only one time where uh, Margaret Beaufort and Elizabeth kind of agreed on something. It's when a little baby Margaret uh, was going to be sent off to marry her husband at 11. And they were very concerned that the King of Scotland wasn't going to wait to consummate the marriage. Uh, so they insisted uh, that henry wait to send margaret over until she was at least uh 14 or 15 which i think was really sweet um around this time elizabeth's mom lizzie woodville if you remember her uh she retired to an abbey which a lot of people kind of felt was very suspect um a lot of people think uh, that Henry was kind of sending her there as sort of punishment because a lot of people thought that she had been trying to, like, scheme around. But I, I don't think she'd do that. I mean, she put all this work in to get her daughter on the throne. I don't know why she would have participated in any sort of uh, rebellion. Um, Let's go with some fun facts about Elizabeth uh, now. Uh, Elizabeth... Like I said earlier in her education, she enjoyed music and dancing. She actually also really enjoyed uh, gambling, which I find hilarious because of her very charitable nature. And she also shared this uh, pastime with uh, Henry. They gambled a lot. She also kept greyhounds, which is very cute. I love those dogs. Um, Another sign of her charitable nature, she had to financially support her sisters, because uh, Henry was kind of a penny pincher since he had been kind of like a runaway little kid. He he was very, very tight with his money and he wouldn't uh, financially support Elizabeth's younger sisters. So Elizabeth did it herself. Um, 
she even footed the bill for her sister's food and clothing budget at court, which I think was really cool for her. Um, she also accompanied her husband on his diplomatic visit to Calais in uh, 1500 to meet with Ferdinand of Aragon and Isabel of Castile before their kids got married. Uh, I believe it was the following year. Okay, so we're going to get into one of the kind of last huge things that happened to her. So in the very late 1490s, um, there was this guy that showed up. His name was Perkin Warbeck. Now, Perkin Warbeck was claiming to be Elizabeth's little brother, Richard, one of the princes in the tower that we talked about earlier. And Henry at the time was working on a marriage treaty for his son Arthur to marry uh, Catherine of Aragon. But Catherine's parents didn't want Catherine to go over there if there was going to be another uprising. And also at the same time, there was this little boy. Well, he wasn't a little boy at this time anymore. But there was a kid named uh, um, Teddy Plantagenet. And he was Elizabeth's cousin. He was the last male Plantagenet on the uh, York side. He was actually um, Edward's brother's a son, George, if you remember him. He tried to take the crown. Um, and he had been locked up in the tower since he was 10 years old, since Henry had come to the throne. And... Um, Teddy kind of accidentally got mixed up in per Perkin Warbeck's rebellion, but it was also very convenient for uh, him to get wrapped up in this. And Teddy had some mental issues. He wasn't very bright. He was kind of slow. I'm not quite sure what he had, but there's a few uh, documents that say he was like that. And when uh, Perkin Warbeck got arrested, they had... Teddy um, admit some seriously trumped-up charges of treason, and unfortunately, Teddy was executed along with Perkin Warbeck, and I'm not sure how Elizabeth felt about this, but I imagine she wasn't very happy about it. After all, she had been close with Teddy's older sister, also named Margaret, for years. They were cousins, and they all grew up together. I, I can't imagine how much this affected her, but Oh, God, it just must have been terrible for her. So, one of the worst final things happened in Elizabeth's last couple years of life uh, was her son's death. So, in 1501, Elizabeth's son Arthur got married to Catherine of Aragon. So, uh, Elizabeth was actually a really good mentor for her daughter-in-law. They got along very well. She passed on advice to Catherine through Catherine's mother, Isabel of Castile. Maybe you've heard of her. <laughs> Such as uh, telling her to not drink the water here because in England at the time their water was, like, gross. Elizabeth suggested her daughter-in-law develop a taste for wine because England's water was really super gross. Um... And she also advised Catherine to learn French so that they had a common language because 
ironically, Catherine was never taught English before she was sent over to England, which I think is ridiculous. Someone really should have been on that when they were teaching her to be Queen of England. Unfortunately, six months into the marriage, Arthur died very suddenly from sweating sickness. It was so horrible, and in that time period, it just wasn't super common for parents to get really uh, choked up about their children dying because, uh, like I talked about earlier, children were sent off for their education and their parents like barely knew them. But when Arthur died, it's recorded that Henry broke down in tears and Elizabeth comforted him and reassured him that he had faced really great odds to become king and that they had another son and daughters to look after and that they were also young enough to have more children. And after that, Elizabeth then went to her room and cried, and her servants had to get Henry to come in and comfort her, which makes me so sad. Like, that kind of emotion for their son, who they probably love so much, and they were all such a tight-knit family, and I just feel so horrible for Elizabeth. Like, oh my god, that must have eaten her up inside. So, after Arthur's death, um, Elizabeth did get pregnant again. Uh, she spent her confinement period in the Tower of London. Originally, her labor wasn't supposed to take place there. She was supposed to go to uh, Richmond Palace, which Henry had recently uh, kind of renovated. But Elizabeth's water broke early and she was rushed to the Tower, which I find ironic because um, her brothers disappeared there I probably wouldn't want to go there so at the time when you think of the Tower of London now you think of a place of like death and executions but at the time it was a it was a royal palace and people went there all the time to hang out in fact many kings and queens um stayed there before their coronations I, I'm pretty sure Henry did I know Elizabeth's uh, son eventually did and it was at that palace on February 9th that Elizabeth gave birth to a girl that she named Catherine after her daughter-in-law. But unfortunately, Elizabeth contracted um, a postpartum infection after she gave birth to the baby. And the baby had died a couple days earlier. And fortunately for Elizabeth, she passed away on February 11th, the day of her 37th birthday in 1503. Now... Oh my god, Henry was devastated. He mourned her so deeply, which I think shows how much they really did love each other. Um, Henry had a huge funeral for her. England was in mourning for weeks. Henry wouldn't let anyone see him, like, not even doctors. The only person he would let come into his rooms was his mother, and this was deeply concerning to the council at the time because, you know, England wasn't being ran by anyone. Um, and it was, it was just, it was just terrible for her. And, oh my God, like, I, I can't even imagine how her children felt. Henry, little Henry, uh, who would eventually become Henry VIII, mourned his mother as deeply as father did. And Elizabeth was kind of Henry's, um, model for what a perfect mother 
and perfect wife was. And a lot of historians credit her with um, the reason Henry probably had so many wives because he was looking for a woman that was just like his mother and who was just as sweet and kind and charitable and a good mom. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you wanted to hear about a certain lady, just DM me on Twitter at Long May She Reign 2. And remember, Long May She Reign. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye!